Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Rosell, and I'm joined by John Fisher. Good morning, John. Good morning, Dan. The people have asked for this episode of Garden State of Hockey. Don't ask me who in particular, Dan. Just know that the people have asked for this. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we, we wanted to address the people in our mutual suffering. I may sound cheery, and I may sound like I'm, you know, in good spirits, but... In reality, the horrific nightmare of a season that it's 2019 to 2020 continues, especially from a Devils perspective, and it continued last Monday as us, you know, we in blissfully ignorant fashion didn't know what the result of the lottery would be. Obviously, we know now that the nightmare trans- uh, scenario has transpired, and the New York Rangers will be selecting Alexis Lafreniere first overall in the 2020 draft everything's a horrible nightmare the lottery ball was dropped what have you everything is rigged so what whatever the results stay the same and um the nightmare continues i will just continue to hold my hat on the hope that there were lots of rumors that the the envelope for patrick ewing was frozen and yet how many championships did the new did the new york knicks win however the new york knicks are run worse than the new york rangers so (laughs) That is not a very good comparison. I'm just pulling on strings here and trying not to swear on the Garden State of Hockey. Yeah, I mean this this kind of sucks, but it you know there's nothing nothing we can do about it except focus on uh, our own team and what the Devils can maintain in their own jurisdiction. And included in that was something that we weren't sure would happen, but I think the pandemic actually expedited the process of um, this transaction specifically as Riley Walsh signed his entry-level deal with the New Jersey Devils. So he was someone who, um, you know, he had the possibility of electing to return to college to play uh, his senior season. And then 
there was the real potential that he could have opted opted not to sign his contract with the Devils and allowed himself to play into the free agency pool, as we've seen with uh, Alex Kerfoot, we've seen with Will Butcher, we've seen with Jimmy Vesey, Adam Fox basically did that. He didn't exactly do that same thing, but he did have a lot of agency as to where he went. So good news for the Devils to get another defenseman uh, in the fold and another pretty highly regarded defensive prospect. Right. So he's one of those reasons why you should pay attention to your second, your third, your fourth round draft picks, because he was a third over uh, third round draft pick in 2017. Uh, he wasn't particularly big. He did well at, at a prep school. You know, you're basically taking a chance on this guy, hoping he could do something in the future and blossom at college. And it turned out he did. He blossomed into a fairly productive Harvard uh, defenseman. He wasn't the main guy because Harvard, believe it or not, has had a very strong college team from a prospect perspective. Like Harvard just keeps churning out future NHL players. Um, but Walsh was playing big minutes and, you know, I can understand from his standpoint that his senior year was going to be a big one. I think he was in line to take a top pairing role. He was going to be the quote unquote big man on campus for that uh, blue line, you know, have another chance of winning a national championship, which Harvard has not done since Walsh has been there. However, with the and, and originally he was planning to go back like that was the word like if mm-hmm. we were to go back in February, March, April time frame, he, you know, Walsh was pretty set on going back. But to your point, Dan, um, the pandemic hastened and changed the situation, mostly because the Ivy League. Now, I have to emphasize this is not the ECAC, which is the conference of hockey that Harvard plays in. But the Ivy League schools have all said flat out. No fall sports in 2020. Uh, So the earliest that they're going to be would be resuming is January 1st, 2021. And if you've been paying attention to college sports in general, since uh, some some conferences are bowing out of college football, basketball is completely up in the air. Nobody knows what's happening in hockey. You can't even guarantee you're going to have hockey in the early part of 2021 for college. So to that end, your possibility goes from I want to go back to my senior year possibly win a championship, you know, win a bean pot, you know, do, do a whole bunch of things at Harvard as the big man on campus. Or now it's, well, I could take the risk and maybe play a month or two with Harvard, three months with Harvard, and then try out the pro game or just jump into the pro game right away. So um, I think considering the situation, he made, I think, a better decision since having that pro contract means the Devils could loan him out. If Binghamton starts up in a couple months, he can go to Binghamton. Uh, he'll, he can go to camp whenever camp is happening. This is all much better from a hockey player perspective since playing and practicing is a lot better than not playing and not practicing, which is what he would be doing if he stayed at Harvard. Yeah, exactly. And this is something that you got to, you know, if you have the opportunity to make this kind of money right now, I think that's something you should jump at. And I think he understands that. And I think his agent understands that. And he does have an established relationship with, um, you know, Tom Fitzgerald and, I bet that was easier for him to, uh, you know, once Fitzgerald was named the actual um, GM, it's much easier for him to be like, okay, this situation has stabilized. Like, I know what I'm getting here. And he, he's been on record saying that he was, you know, everyone says that they're committed to their team that drafts them initially and who knows what will happen then. But he's been pretty consistent about it and uh, yeah. been showing up at training camp. So good to have him in the yeah. fold and really adds – a necessary dimension to the devil's prospect pool. Absolutely. Because the devil's defenseman uh, from a prospect pool perspective, 
in the 2019 draft, they loaded up on these defensive-minded, big-bodied, physical-style defensemen and added one more in Kevin Ball in the Taylor Hall trade. So if you were looking for more for somebody who can move a puck, somebody who could help on a power play, somebody who has an offensive component to their game, your options were Ty Smith and this guy, Riley Walsh. And um, additionally, where Riley Walsh is a right-sided defenseman. He shoots right-handed, so I presume he can play on the right side. The Devils are loaded at the right side at the NHL level, but from a prospect perspective, they don't have a lot of those types of players. So he absolutely helps diversify that side of the pool, which is definitely a bonus for the B-Devils. It's definitely a bonus for the prospect pool. And it's a bonus for the future if you do decide to move on from the Connor Carricks in the future or if you decide to make a bigger deal with Damon Severson or P.K. Subban in a year or two. And depending on how training camp goes, the B-Devils could get a nice little injection of uh, defense that they didn't really have access to before with Ty Smith now being eligible to play in the AHL. Yes. Uh, you know, we're all hoping that he makes the regular team, but in the off chance that he doesn't, he's now eligible to play there. And then you add in Riley Walsh, and it's a pretty good squad you've got uh, building up in Binghamton. So hopefully they can build on some of the momentum that happened, you know, pre-shutdown as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for for what manifests there, because as we saw with the right change in strategic coaching, that team actually had a lot of potential and they went on quite a run to put themselves in playoff position before the season shut down. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Dennehy does to develop those guys down there. Absolutely. And I'm curious, you know, I'm hopeful that Walsh will continue to blossom. He'll go from strength to strength. And if so, then it's another win in the devil's drafting column since, you know, anytime you can get a NHL player, regardless of where they are in the lineup, in the third round or later, you know, that's a win. That's a win for your scouting department. That's a win for your uh, development uh, staff, you know. So, you know, best of luck to Walsh as he now enters the world of professional hockey. Um, I wish it was a little more normal. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was a little more stable. But we li- we are currently living in a pandemic, so nothing is normal. Nothing is really stable. Right. And speaking of devil's uh, draft capital here, let's check in on where some of these picks could potentially stand given some of the early playoff results and we're saying this as of uh, Sunday the 16th so we've had two or three games in each series occur and uh, there's some surprising things going on with the playoff picks right now but in terms of the Devils picks um, Arizona is down in their series two to one to Colorado they look like they should be down three to nothing or really six to nothing but um (laughs) I don't have any concerns that that pick is a particular threat to move at this point. How about you? No, I I don't have any fear about the 2020 pick moving back. I mean, for that to happen, Arizona would we would need to win two rounds. Um, they would need to go to the Western Conference Finals. I don't think they're going to get past Colorado. This also has implications for the another part of the Taylor Hall trade. So. Part of that Taylor Hall trade wasn't just a first-round conditional. It was also a third-rounder in 2021 that had a condition. Whereas if Arizona wins a playoff series, like if they somehow beat Colorado somehow, then that pick gets upgraded to a second-round pick in 2021. And that can actually upgrade a further time to a first-rounder if Taylor Hall resigns. But Arizona literally has no cap space for next season, much less room to sign Taylor Hall. And they're playing Colorado. Unless Darcy Cooper literally turns into a concrete wall for the next, um, you know, for the rest of the series, then 
This is not happening. Well, he's been trying <laughs> his best, his absolute best to do so. <laughs> yeah, he, like it's definitely not Cooper's fault. I mean, he actually did so in Game Three to a degree. But the fact of the matter is, Colorado is just a legitimately better team in all aspects of the game, whether it's offense, defense, special teams, coaching. Goaltending is kind of the only thing that where Arizona can kind of hang its hat on and say, "Hey, we got this." But the reality is. You know, good goaltending isn't crucial. It's important. It could bail you out in many times, but it can only get you so far. And we're seeing it right now with Arizona because right now Colorado's got that 2-1 series lead. And, yeah, they stumbled a bit in game three. But how many times have you seen in the playoffs where superior team loses one game and then they just rebound big time in game four and then take the series in five? Oh, yeah. Because it happens quite a bit and unfortunately happened to the Devils in 2018. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Constantly. It was, a, it was a prevalent theme throughout the season. But in terms of the other pick that the Devils um, do have in the first round, the placement of it is a little less assured because Vancouver is currently beating St. Louis 2 nothing, And I don't – I think despite this, they're not a particular threat to get through the conference finals just given the strength of Vegas and Colorado. But, right. you know, they give themselves a better chance to do so by virtue of even being close to it. So – I'm not sure that this pick will move either, but Vancouver has definitely looked better than St. Louis, who's looked sluggish since the restart, um, since the very beginning of the restart. Yeah, St. Louis has, you know, suffered some bad luck, for example, losing literally on a last second goal in the final round robin game to Colorado, which could have flipped some of the matchups here. Because uh, I imagine Colorado-Vancouver would be like Colorado in like five, uh, you know. Uh, and St. Louis probably would stomp all over Arizona still. But nevertheless, this is the matchup we have. We can't talk about the matchups we wish we had. Right. Um, but yeah, St. Louis just looks completely out of sorts. You know, Biddington's giving up goals he shouldn't be giving up. The defense that's led by Pietrangelo isn't looking like a defense that's uh, stalwart. It's like this team... The team clearly has the goods like they're not scrubs They're not, They didn't get worse over the last several months. But I feel like this team needs that, quote unquote, cli hockey cliche, a spark. And I don't just mean like go out there and throw some hands at somebody, but like something needs to go their way that gets the team inspired. Maybe the coach has got to throw a trash can around. Maybe Mark, you know, they find whoever their Mark Bergevin is to play a stupid prank to make somebody laugh their head off in the in the lock on the bus. I'm kind of dating myself and reaching with some of these examples, but nevertheless, they just need something to get them get their heads right. Because right now, Vancouver is playing like a team that you know they got confidence, they've got the cliched momentum, and honestly, when Vancouver gets rolling with their um, cycle down low, they're not an easy team to break apart. Like, yeah, they play you know, you know, they play that uh, peanut butter and jelly style of hockey where you know it's standard, it's common, it's a cliche, but. They do it pretty well, and if they get going with that cycle and you'll give Peterson space, you give Boser space, you let their defensemen have free reign um, from the points and firing it into traffic and it starts getting through, you know, they become a they become a much tougher team than people give them credit for. Yeah, they need uh, this year's version of Gloria basically to save them from uh, the situation they're in now because they really – you're right. They haven't – you know, the Blues have not looked good in Vancouver – looks like they just realized they have this amazing opportunity to actually win an extra series with all these young guys. So maybe, I don't know, I'm still kind of wondering where Vancouver ends up next year in terms of whether or not it would have been better for the Devils to have the pick this year or next, but I still say take the asset that you know over the one that you don't. Um, yes. So 
there you go. We'll, we'll see what happens with them. Again, I don't feel particularly threatened by them getting to the conference finals just because Vegas and Colorado look way too strong. As Vegas also sprinted out to a 3 nothing lead over the Blackhawks. Although that series, it hasn't been as lopsided as the scores and the series score would suggest. But it's still very clear that there's a cavern of talent between these two teams. Absolutely. And it's sort of the difference between a team like St. Louis and a team like Vegas. Like Vegas looks like they are fully locked in. They're fully prepared. They want a close game. You know, they changed goaltenders, too. They put Marc-Andre Fleury in the, um, as a starter for that one, and he played wonderfully well. That's a team that's got its game on lockdown. You know, they're fully prepared. And as such, as we're recording this on Sunday, they could go, you know, they could just as well sweep Chicago tonight because they play them at 6:30 tonight. So they're they're locked in. Whereas St. Louis is sort of like you almost have to like snap fingers in front of them, throw some water in their faces, kind of you know take blow up a paper bag and pop it behind them. You got to get them awake, you know, <laughs> you know get 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 it together, man. Because you know if you go down three nothing, it doesn't matter who your opponent is. That's a hard hard mountain to climb. And there's the minor implication of that series for the Devils in terms of Chicago getting to the conference final, and that would drop, I believe, one of the Devils picks down a spot, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would move the Arizona pick down a spot. Same if Montreal goes mm-hmm. uh, and wins two rounds. Granted, as of we're recording this, Montreal is tied with Philly 1-1 in their series, but that's a lot to ask for for Montreal to win that series, much less a second one. So, but... For who? For Carey Price? I, I thought that's what I heard. Carey Price, Montreal, <laughs> you know, it's it's essentially one and the same. Yeah, so uh, the last series in the Western Conference that really has no implications for New Jersey's team whatsoever, uh, Calgary leads the Stars 2-1 as we record this, and honestly, I feel uninspired watching this series. So does Dallas. Uh, <laughs> their performances are effectively the equivalent of grinding your teeth. Um, it's not pleasant, but you do it anyway because... What else are you going to do? Uh, fittingly, this one's going to be aired locally at 2 p.m. today on CNBC. Yeah. Uh, it's on an overflow channel because obviously it doesn't have the marquee of obviously Washington Islanders. Uh, but more seriously, though, Dallas is just, you know, one of those teams where they're not bad, but it's just not working out for them. It just isn't working out for them. And Calgary, uh, similar to Vancouver, similar to um um, similar to the Islanders, since I just mentioned them, you know, they're playing like a team that uh, understands their situation that, hey, you know, maybe we wouldn't have been here in a normal playoff setting. Maybe we wouldn't have been here after 82 games of a regular season, but we are here and we're going to make the most of it. And they're taking full advantage of a Dallas team that just is they're they're inserting uh, screw A into slot B. But for whatever reason, the screwdriver is not making it tighten. <laughs> Yeah, the threads. threads are worn. The threads are worn. There's rust they didn't account for. They didn't. They they got a metric screw for a uh, standard hole. Yeah. It just isn't working. Well, we'll see if they can figure it out. But that actually provides a great transition point for a series in the Eastern Conference that also has minimal Devils implications, more emotional ones as Andy Green and the New York Islanders currently lead the Washington Capitals two to nothing, and they lead them in convincing fashion. Oh, absolutely. And Washington just lost um, Nicholas Backstrom, too, which is a massive blow. Like, he's been their first-line center as long as Ovechkin has been their first-line winger. Um, but, yeah, Braden Holtby, who is a pending free agent and is a player the devil should not be signing whatsoever, is not looking good. Um, and the Islanders, you know, I understand, again, 
it's a cliche, it's a reputation, it's a vibe, it's an experience, but they are literally outworking the Capitals and they're grinding them out and, you know, say what you want about their cap situation, say what you want about their bad long-term decisions of giving Justin Gabriel Pajot that long contract among many others, but they're working. They're making things happen. Yeah, they got some bounces in, in the last game. You know, goals off Cal Clutterbuck's hand, a goal off somebody's skate. But who's pushing the tempo? Who's making the making the efforts? Who's putting in that work to win pucks and get pucks to the net and get them into the slot and get them into those quote-unquote greasy areas? The Islanders. And Barry Trotz is running Todd Redrin out of the building right now. Yeah, they're choking out the Capitals late in games, too. They're not giving them any sort of space to operate, and it's very impressive. And, uh, you know, it has the <laughs> has the tinge of Lou Lamorello about it, I would say. Well, say what you want about Lou, but Lou, you know, it just occurred to me recently, you know, because I was thinking – because, of course, I, you know, I stay up at night thinking about other hockey teams and their cap situations because I'm a hockey blogger. It's that's like that meme where um, – the girl's like, he's probably thinking about other women. And you're just like, I'm thinking about cap situations. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about other things. And it just occurred to me. Lou is a short-term thinker. Mm-hmm. It doesn't if, – if he's of the opinion of, look, if I got to sign Justin Gabriel Pajot to a six-by-six six contract to make him happy in, in New York, or rather Long Island, I should say, because I know Long Island is not the same as the city. Don't get at me, Islanders fans. <laughs> I get it. I understand. But the fact of the matter is if that makes him happy – and they go on and win this series, and maybe they go on and win another series. If they can make it to an Eastern Conference Finals, he may say, eh, that's I, I got what I paid for. Who cares in six years? Because, you know, I can always make a move later. And it's it's basically, what can I get this team to be more successful today, even at the cost of tomorrow? That's not very good in the long term for obvious reasons, but you're seeing the manifestation here. And, you know, even, even the most ardent Islander fans – would would say, you know what, beating the Capitals would be a massive, massive feather in their cap, considering that, you know, it wasn't a guarantee they wouldn't even, would have even been here, given how the seat, how they were going before the pause. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, credit to them, they took the pause to straighten out their issues and really figure out, you know, why they had an unfortunate run to close out the season pre-shutdown, but they figured out a lot of those issues there. Really, you can tell they're a tight brotherhood there, so... Uh, good on them, and we'll see if they can finish the job against the formidable Capitals. Uh, in terms of the implications for the Devils, like I said, that's really only watching for Andy Green, and it's a divisional matchup. So if you care about that kind of stuff, all power to you. Um, we have another one that involves a division rival that you alluded to before. We have the Philadelphia Flyers versus the Montreal Canadiens, which is currently tied 1-1 on the back of a 5 nothing carry price shutout in Game 2. And... Philly visibly looking frustrated, but I think their coaching is too good. I think they're too talented to let that, you know, upset their entire series. If Carey Price continues to be a stud, like the Carey Price that all the players feared, you know, when they did that poll a couple months ago and every hockey writer and analyst and blogger said, ah, Carey Price sucks. You, you players are dumb. Uh, <laughs> you know, if he, if he stays that Carey Price that people fear, then – Montreal certainly has a chance, but yeah, Philly should be winning this series in a walk. Like they should be beating Montreal over the series rather decisively. It won't be easy, but they should win. But the game two, 
that five nothing loss, you know, the fact that they were so frustrated and you got Elaine Vigino complaining that Kirk Muller, mind you, Kirk Muller was behind the bench because Claude Julien had uh, chest pains mm-hmm. and had to be he had to leave the bubble to go to the hospital. Thank thankfully he had a heart procedure. He's back home. Um, he's recovering. You know, we wish him the best. Um, so that's why Kirk Muller was behind the bench. And, you know, Vigino was complaining, oh, you know, they played their first power play unit when they were up five nothing. It's like, guys. You know, if you if you don't want if you don't want him to play, then get off the ice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a playoff game, man. He's not he's not here to take it easy on you. You know, if your reaction to that is going to be, you know, you know, we're we're mad because you decided to keep playing dudes against us in a playoff game, then you know, that that starts sowing a seed of doubt in my mind for Philadelphia. Now, granted, I'm a little biased because I would love nothing more than the Flyers to get take an embarrassing L. And of course, if Montreal goes all the way, then you you know that improves the Arizona pick. Right. Um, but nevertheless, um, how they respond in Game Three and Game Four is going to be rather crucial to how the series will go. Because if the Flyers stay frustrated, if they stay salty, if they stay mad about what happened in Game Two, Montreal could build off of that, and oh, it would be a delicious, delicious upset. Yeah, this just feels like it's just waiting for the other shoe to drop, though. I, I think it's. Waiting for Philly yeah. to get fully mobilized and really understand that they yeah Philly calms down they'll they'll probably be fine they'll they should be pretty fine but yeah that's uh, former Devils coach Claude Julian and former Devil Kirk Muller up there operating in the uh, the coaching system and like you said all the best to Claude Julian seems like he's home resting so I'm glad they managed to um, you know figure out what was wrong and help him out so. We'll see if he's able to come back in shades of the 93 Montreal Canadiens playoff run when Jacques Lemaire took over uh, after a coach experienced chest pain. So you never know. Although this team is not nearly as formidable, you, you just never know because the situation has never been more neutral in terms of um, in terms of actual playing. I think this is like an analytics person's dream, this, this hockey environment with no fans. Right. But moving on. Moving on, we have the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins. And Boston took a 2-1 lead uh, last night. And Sammy Votnin continues to play games, which is where the devil's implication lands here. Right. So, thankfully, Carolina beat our hated rivals. So, the Devils now have Carolina's fourth-round pick for this year. I know. Everybody's having a party (laughs) right now. However, that pick can be upgraded to a third if... Vatnin plays at least 70% of Carolina's playoff games. Unfortunately, Vatnin was scratched for game two. He was considered unfit to play, meaning he had like a minor injury because he played in game three. Mm-hmm. However, he was the fifth fifth man in terms of uh, ice time. And in fact, Hayden Fleury ended up playing more minutes, a little bit more than Vatnin and Brady Shea, who has also been not good, um, has also played more minutes. So Rod the Bod, Mr. Brindamore, <laughs> You know, I understand you're interested in your squats and your bar, you know, your your curls and your um, and your presses and all that, but you need to give Vatnin more minutes and keep dressing him because, um, and the series also needs to be extended as well because uh, you know I I have to have the paper in front of you, but if this ends up being just a five game series, Vatnin has to play in four of these games. He has to play in game four and game five. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Devils to benefit here, regardless of if Carolina wins or loses the series. Obviously, if it's five, then they would lose because they're down 2-1 in the series. That's how math works. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is Vatnin needs to keep playing. That's the interest. It doesn't matter who wins the series. Vatnin needs to keep playing. So 
Batman played in game three. He did miss some time during the game due to another injury, but he did return to the bench and did play in that game a little bit more. So, you know, here's hoping he's healthy enough for game four on Monday. And again, just keeps on playing. Oh, and Boston, um, their top scorer got injured. Their top goaltender literally left the day of game three and Yaroslav Halak played out of his mind for a 3-1 win, and Carolina just looked terrible, which is not something you want to see when the other team does not have their top goaltender and top scorer not available in a crucial game three of a seven-game series. Yeah. and You you should be licking your chops. You should be, you know, hungry. You should be like, I'm ready to eat these Bruins. I'm ready to cook them up on the barbecue. I'm ready to grill these bees instead of like, eh, I guess we're going to play a hockey game. Yeah, sure. You scored. Yeah, I don't think we're going to score on Yaroslav Halak today. Uh, can I go back to bed? Well, they did leave uh, lose Svechnikov in this game as well. True, they did. And that that was a scummy move by Zendo Chara. That was not an accident. That, we got a trash take from oh. Jack Edwards out of it. No, nope, not going to talk about it. <laughs> what I am going to talk about, Dan... Is Blake Coleman's Tampa Bay Lightning. (laughs) Yes, Blake Coleman's Tampa Bay Lightning took a series lead, 3-2, over Columbus, who proceeded to blow a long five-on-three on top of another power play before Tampa Bay scored the first goal of the game. So Columbus's uh, power play woes continue, and um, Tampa Bay is is starting to feel it a little bit more. They're starting to... uh, Put the puzzle pieces together, so to speak. Obviously, Mr. Coleman has not put the puzzle pieces together, but uh, you know the old adage of get close to the net, get in Corpusalo's grill, get in their way after you know what was a pretty sh- you know heartbreaking game two performance from a Tampa Bay perspective because they just you know got bodied in that game. They definitely showed up here. They took a series lead, and you know similar to what we were saying about St. Louis, Vancouver. You know, unlike St. Louis, Tampa Bay got their minds right and now have control of the series and have an opportunity in game four to really take control and and establish themselves. But Columbus is not going out without a fight. Uh, The cliches are true. They're definitely hard working. They just need their power play to get going and they just need their uh, their puck luck to improve a little bit, because if their game plan is going to be relying on Corpus Allo to bail them out. um, Yeah, that's just not going to you know continue you know, for the rest of the series. Yeah, Tampa, you know, Columbus has really found a way to give Tampa fits. Even when Tampa wins games, they've won True. two they games in the last... Wins. Yeah, they, they've won two games in the last six playoff games against Columbus by a combined two goals. Like, it, it's not something that they, I would say they've figured out by any means. It's just that there's a immense talent gap between these two teams right now, especially given what Columbus lost this offseason. And that's credit to John Tortorella for making them so structured and so tough to play against that they're frustrating this, uh, you know, highly vaunted Tampa team. But they finally managed to find ways to close out games against these pesky Blue Jackets, and we'll see if they can keep that up as well. It, It doesn't really, you know... 2-1 2-1 is the series lead, but it doesn't really feel like Columbus is out of this one at all. It feels no. like they're a, a couple of, you know, good goaltending performances from putting Tampa on the brink. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the big things I kept noticing was that Columbus just looked gassed at times in game three. And and to be fair, their first game literally went to five overtimes. <laughs> and then two days, le- less than 40, you know, 72 hours later, they have to go play game two. They win that one big time, but that's still, you know, a hard performance. And even if it's even if the scores are big, even in blowouts, like all these games in such close fashion do wear on you in time. So, you know, it's likely that you're going to have that one bad game or that one game where you're like, I've got a one on one and I'm Alexander uh, Tessier and I'm just going to 
go Brian Ralston with a slap shot because I'm too tired to, you know, <laughs> go to the net and throw up a deke. But P.S. If you're ever kids out there, if you're ever in a one on one with a goalie, don't take a slap shot. You're not Brian Ralston and Brian Ralston rarely hit those either. Yeah, uh, <laughs> don't do that. But more seriously, they get a day off on the day of a recording. They play again on Monday at 3 p.m. Um, hopefully the day off will recharge them because, as you said, Dan, you're absolutely right. If Corpus Allo plays well, uh, Columbus just continues to get in their face. They get the bounces or gets the opportunities. And if they get their power play going, yeah, Columbus could still turn this around. And I could see this one going seven games. Yeah. I really do. And let's remember that Columbus was the only team that's in this round that played a five-game qualifier round, including multiple overtime games, and then had oh, yeah. to start game one by playing five overtime. So they must be exhausted they basically played the equivalent of six games in six days so they you know i understand why they're gassed certainly but it's something that they'll have to figure out and i'm sure they'll thank they'll be thankful for this day of rest that they have i find it interesting that every series has at least one back-to-back scenario um, yeah just I, by nature I think... of it and i think that's an interesting wrench to throw into the playoff picture yeah, I mean, some playoff series in regular playoffs do have a back-to-back thrown in there, pro- probably for arena slash TV consideration. But g- given the situation with the pandemic, it's in the NHL's best interest to keep these games moving, keep them going. Um, so you know, everybody. So rather than saddle some teams with it, they're giving everybody uh, some back-to-backs in there. And you know, it's not an ideal situation, but we're not in an ideal situation. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you just got to deal with it. Yeah, nothing, nothing about this is ideal, but they, they adjust how they can. So that's basically what's going on um, around the playoff picture here. I'm pretty sure that's every series, right? Yeah. Yep, that covers all eight series. And again, the ones that matter the most to the Devils would be the Arizona series that they're not going to win against Colorado. I am being rather bold with my prediction, but I just <laughs> don't see it. And we got to keep hoping Zab- Sammy Vatnin keeps playing for Carolina because if he gets scratched into the game, I don't think it's possible for him to get to 70 uh, percent unless Carolina moves on against Boston and, you know, keeps playing more games like 70 percent is a fairly high watermark for games to be played in just one series. So yeah. keep playing Vatnin. And uh, don't forget about leg day. And and we're also uh, hoping the Blues figure out their Gloria or to maybe not necessarily win the series now that they're down to nothing, but at least give Vancouver something to think about going into the next round so that they don't make it all the way to the conference final. Yes. Yeah. Don't turn that uh, potential 18th or 20th overall pick into a 20. 20- 28th or 29th overall pick yeah that would be uh ungood for us and really the last thing to touch on here with the playoffs going on is a uh, devil's award nomination which is yes. something you would not expect in a season full of horrible horrible nightmares but pk suban's been nominated for the king clancy uh memorial trophy he um was nominated for his continued work in pretty much any community he's been a part of uh working with their hospital systems working with uh, doing community outreach for the teams and really you know his his presence on media in general as a face for the league is getting him a lot of recognition and i think he definitely deserves this nomination yeah this is one of those trophies like this is you know, like the Bill Masterton Trophy, which is for perseverance and, 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 you know, typically for players that like have overcome big things. Like it's one of those things that I get why the NHL makes an award for it and they should have an award for it. But I don't feel like it's weird to vote on it. It's weird yeah. to sit here and say, well, your contributions to charity were better than this guy's contributions to charity. It's like, guys, like 
people are being helped here. Like, let's do we really need to, you know, split hairs on like who who really deserves this between Matt Dumba and PK Subban? Um, but you know, I get it. And um, Subban is certainly a worthy nomination for this. It's nice that a devil will be award, uh, involved in the award ceremony. And it just so happens to be their celebrity players, PK Subban, since, you know, The Rock shouted him out a couple weeks ago. Uh, he started his own podcast, which who's, his first guest was Gary Bettman, um, which tells you about the poll that he has in, in the hockey realm, since Gary Bettman, I'm sure, has like a bajillion things to do right now. But he'll make time for PK Subban because he's PK Subban. Yeah. Um, and he's and he's fascinating. He's breathtaking. No, no, you're breathtaking. <laughs> K. Subban is breathtaking. But more seriously, though, yeah, he totally deserves the um, nomination. We'll see if he wins it. Um, if he doesn't win it, you can't really complain because whoever does win it certainly deserves it because they're helping people out. Yeah, seriously, this is this is when people argue about. You're right, the Master Trophy. Who deserves it more? Like, oh who conquered the more impressive disease here like i don't know why we should be focusing on that and i don't know why that vote even exists in any sort of fashion but yeah and i don't know how the writer because this is another phwa award like i think the the writers vote for this one so it's like hey writers like how do you how do you square this away but i'm not in the phwa so yeah and and the the other nominees, by the way, are Matt Dumba, who very famously has been the face of the um, NHL's um, Black Lives Matter initiative, and right. Henrik Lundqvist, who again is no stranger to community work in New York City and is such an important figure for the community um, in in the New York metropolitan area. So I, I I understand where this is all coming from. I just we'll see what happens. But again, this is something that. Congratulations to all these players for their good work, and I think we should see more of this around the NHL in general. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the week in hockey news from a Devils perspective, unless you got a little more for me. I do not have a little more for you, Dan. Well, then so be it. <laughs> then we'll call this a wrap right here, and that's been our time here. Keep enjoying the playoffs, and again... We're, we're hoping that the Blues can turn it around. We're pretty confident that the Avalanche will stay the course, and we'll see what happens with the Eastern Conference matchups. But at the very least, you can say it's been extremely exciting. It's been um, The bubble has been overwhelmingly successful thus far, so hopefully the NHL can make it all the way through and get training camp started maybe a little bit earlier for the teams that won't be partic- that didn't participate in the restart. Yeah, Mr. Sh- Mr. Corey Schneider. I don't know why I added Mr. there. That's overly cool. Corey, Sh- Corey Schneider uh, did reveal on a recent uh, podcast, I can't remember exactly with who, but he was in- being interviewed by somebody, and he did bring up the idea of having an earlier or longer training camp for the seven teams that aren't playing right now because it really is unfair that you know all these teams are – got together, they had a camp, they're playing games, you know, and you got seven teams that, you know, haven't been active, they haven't been on the ice, they don't know their systems. In the case of the Devils, they have a brand new head coach in Lindy Ruff, so they don't know what his systems are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can explain it on a Zoom call, but there's a big difference between telling you what it is and actually doing it on the ice. Uh, But the problem is, you know, the logistics, like where are you going to do it? How do you keep everybody safe? Is it worth bringing people over from Europe um, to go in and participate this or bring them in from Canada? You know, do do you have to self-quarantine? Is it, is the effort really worth it just to have camp? And even if you decide to have games, they're just going to be exhibition games. Like people are not going to line up and give, you know, give high TV ratings to like Ottawa playing New Jersey. Um, they're just not. (laughs) So, 
you know, it's it's up in the air. But we shall see what is decided upon, and we'll see if we get to have a proper season later in the year. All right. So until that happens, like I said, keep watching the playoffs and keep asking questions. We we might um. We might ask for some questions for the next episode just when things are a little slow because we can only do so much, you know, playoff updates. There's going to be less and less series to talk about as the playoffs go on. So feel free to send us in any questions, any suggestions, uh, any feedback. We welcome all of it and we'll definitely take it into consideration. And I got to congratulate us. We've been doing this, by the way, uh, pretty much every week for a year now. So Let's go Garden State of Hockey. I love it. Let's let's go us. Yeah, we did it. Okay, so we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for celebrating with us, and thanks for listening and making this all possible. Have a great rest of your uh, day or night whenever you listen to this, and let's go Devils. Go Pack.